Welcome to the Career Thrivers Podcast, where we're not just barely surviving in our careers, but we are boldly thriving as leaders. I'm your host, Brittany N. Cole, keynote speaker, author, CEO, and your partner in growth. I've spent over the past decade teaching leaders to develop, retain, and advance in their career and with their workforce. And today, I'm here to guide you on your journey. Here at Career Thrivers, we believe that every experience is an opportunity for continuous improvement. And guess what? You're in the driver's seat of that growth. You're the master of your destiny and the architect of your own success. So whether you're a business leader or a career professional, you are in the right place. Are you ready for this? I'm so excited to be here with you. This season, we're gonna be exploring this theme of owning your power. And I firmly believe in the value of ownership and owning your power, not only in your career, but also in your life. We'll delve into thought-provoking discussions, learn from industry leaders, and equip ourselves with the tools and strategies to thrive in our careers. So buckle up, Thrivers, as we gear up to take your leadership skills to the next level. Hey Thriver, welcome back to the Career Thrivers Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany N. Cole, and I am so excited about this episode today because we're gonna be talking about a topic that I believe is critical to not only doing good work and to being a great leader, but leading well. Now, you may not be aware of this, but every year, Career Thrivers hosts a summit in February during Black History Month called Advancing Black Professionals. It is an experience for black professionals and allies to come together to not only celebrate black history, but also to celebrate those leaders who are making black history today. And in fact, this year in 2023, Career Thrivers was recognized with this proclamation that you see here, establishing the last week in February as Advancing Black Professionals Week here in Nashville, Tennessee. And we are so thrilled and excited about taking this to the next level in 2024. Now, this year during ABP for short, we had an incredible panel of health and wellness experts. We had Dr. Tart, Dr. Martin, Eric, and Kirby who talked about, I am not my work, how to get rid of stress and how to get rid of burnout to lead well. I cannot wait to dive into this conversation with them so that you can hear some takeaways about how you can not only work to thrive in your career from a place of performance, but also from a place of fulfillment, wellness, and great health. Check out this episode. So we're about to have a conversation about I Am Not My Work, and I want to invite up to the stage to join us our speakers. And so I'm going to just quickly share with you who they are. And you can see in the workbook here, um, we're moving into our next session. And so I'm gonna ask um, Kirby Miller to join this conversation with us. We have Dr. Raquel Martin, who is gonna be joining us. You're gonna get to hear from her. We also have Eric Capehart, and we have Dr. Tart, Dr. Aldewan Tart from Atlanta, Georgia. So will you all give them a round of applause as they join us? And let me just go ahead and say, I know there are going to be lots of converse, lots of questions and conversations for this topic. Okay, so go ahead and open up 
ABP Connect. I have it up here because I want to make sure that as we're having this conversation, we are answering your questions. So I'm going to ask you not to wait to the end. As you have questions, drop them in ABP Connect on the feed, and I'm going to be incorporating those questions in the dialogue today. Okay, sound good? Awesome. Okay, so let's get into the conversation. I'm going to ask you all to introduce yourself by sharing with us who you are, what you get to do, and then what you enjoy most about the work that you do. Oh, I shouldn't have sat here first. <laughs> <laughs> I just want. I'm mad a lot, so you might not. Oh, you're good. Okay. Okay, so my name is Dr. Raquel Martin. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist in my private practice here. I'm also a professor at Tennessee State University. Um, I also graduated from Fisk, too, as well. Um, and then I also do research on black mental health equity, um, black mental, black identity development as it contributes to like racism related stress, um, not race related stress because it's not about our race, it's about racism. So racism related stress. Um, and I just enjoy helping black people like take the mask off, normalizing their experiences. I think so many times um, people think they're code switching, but half the time it's not code switching. Y'all are creating whole identities that you have to keep up at work and it's exhausting and it contributes to you being burnt out. So I like helping people bring their full selves into the environment um, and then telling you know companies that are oppressive to stop or everyone's gonna quit. So work on yourselves um, and you can do better. And I say it just like that. Yeah. <laughs> they keep quitting because y'all kind of suck. So you better. Um, but yeah. I love that. And you should encourage someone to do better. Do better. Well, hello again. Uh, as we talked earlier, my name is Kirby Miller, and I'll switch a few different hats today. But I um, get the honor of being a host and a speaker and an author. And the road to this was kind of interesting. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it. Um, but I faced a situation in my life that caused me to turn inward. And that uh, really precipitated me into this work that is it's kind of funny, it took me into a mental health space, into an overall health space um, where I got to leverage my experience to create conversations and wrote a book about it, to invite people into meaningful conversations with themselves first and to make that journey hyper-personal as we're navigating in this life. So what I love about this work is to be able to bring my whole self to this work and really invite people into that experience as well and um, encourage people to stop shaving off pieces of themselves and the good, the bad, the ugly, all of that contributes to who we are, not only for ourselves, but for the people that we have influence over and just teaching people ways to do that in a safe manner, ways to do that so that you can take a deep breath for the first time uh, in a long time because you are fully embodied. So uh, that's why I love to do the work that I do. My name is Dr. Aldewan Tart. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. I'm also a licensed and ordained minister. I'm also a, uh, a husband and, and a father, and I do a lot in the world of media as well as sports. I, I love psychology because it, it it's the, the need is, is so is so high. Uh, I'm probably one of the few African American uh, male psychologists who specializes in marriage and family. So I see mostly children in the media that think it's uh, relationships. That's because I don't want to do in the media what I do in the office so I can have some diversity, right? And I just, I just enjoy the space. I enjoy helping. So uh, I'm a solutionist. So my job is to, uh, you have a problem, it's my job to help you to be able to fix it, whether it's an organization, as a system, uh, and I really like working one-on-one, -on -one, and, it's, and it's a lot of fun. I enjoy what I do. 
My name is Eric Capehart, and uh, I get to uh, run a mental health company which is focused on connecting student athletes to mental health resources and getting them prepared for life after sports. And uh, I love it because um, it gives me a lot of freedom to be who I am, you know, my true self, not, not necessarily the public self or my private self, but I think it's, it taps into the true self. Um, and it gives me a lot of purpose. And um, I started my journey, I mean, started playing sports as a kid, but along the way, um, I became a counselor. And I always wanted to work with um, athletes, right? So it was like the people I wanted to work with because there's, they're, they're a special group of people who go through a certain set of challenges that not everybody may be able to relate to, right? Um, and so I worked at a college, worked at Tennessee State in the counseling center for about four years and then worked in private practice. I've worked in different uh, environments, but I really decided that um, I needed to be out of the clinical space because it's, it gave me more freedom to do what I can do with my background as a mentor. I've always mentored young boys. Um, and so I just really combined my counseling skill with my mentoring skills and other skills that I have. And I'm also a certified professional life coach. I use boxing as a sport to help people deal with uh, men's related issues and women. Um, if you're looking for a way, look at see you right there. Punches and bunches. Um, I just started off boxing because I was stressed out. I was going to therapy, but I needed something to take a physical pain out of my chest. And I was, I'm always athletic. When the pandemic hit, I was at home with my two kids every day. And so it was creating a, a certain level of stress that it was foreign to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did. And so I started boxing and along the way my coach was like, man, you need to really add this to what you do in your work. And so that's what I've been able to do. So I get to help athletes. It's, uh, it's fun and it really allows me to be a part of my true self. So let's talk a little bit about the health and wellness industry. We've seen what I feel like not being, being outside of the industry, uh, this increased awareness, conversation and even investment in the space. Um, McKinsey reported that the industry will grow to $1.5 trillion. And so um, I want to direct this question um, to both you, Dr. Raquel, but also um, you, Dr. Tart, as well. Talk to us a little bit about kind of, one, what are you, what's your perspective on how the industry is growing? And then what are the gaps and opportunities as it relates to Black people and Black professionals specifically? Look at, look at women. You're just amazing. Thank you. I would say uh, lately it seems like there's been a big emphasis on um, trying to automate things uh, to make it quicker. Uh, like there have been a bunch of companies that will do things like uh, provide you with therapy services and link you with um, a professional and then eventually you feel like you're not getting the care that you deserve within that realm. Uh, I find that most of the time the people who are heading up those organizations are thinking about like the trillions of dollars and not really thinking about the specifics when it comes to even mental health. I focus on black mental health. Like I, I, I very much have that sphere of racism related stress, black mental health, people of the global majority. I have no interest in uh, being good at everything. I feel like I specialize in one aspect of it, but I think lately it's been more of like a pop psychology realm, like, oh, this will be helpful for people with depression. And there's difference in depression and depression as a result of oppression and racism-related stress. So I think um, certain individuals are trying to serve everyone and they're serving no one. 
and I don't do that. I very much am just like, oh, that's, you know, I actually specialize in, in the, the black realm, and if you're interested in integration of power and privilege and prejudice, we can work on that. However, I also have a huge referral list that um, I can provide you to. So I think sometimes people are trying to hold on to so many services that are not really helping people. Um, so I think it would be helpful if we more so get specifics on who we're working with and who we're dealing with. And there's been a lot of platforms that are coming up specifically for that. Uh, for example, you have therapy for black girls, you got therapy for black men. Um, your organization as well, Black Men Heal, even specializing in the fact that you specialize in sports psych. There is a different mindset when it comes to the aspect of, one, oppression in the sports realm. When it, you know, you have that, I forget the name of the football coach who's suing because he's one of the few black coaches. You have the aspect of how the stressors, if you have, what is it, up to three years in football, if you don't work three years, if you get injured, you don't get your money or anything like that. The stress regarding that, having to care for everyone. And that's a specialty, right? Like with me, I'll be like, I don't I don't know, but you know who I could refer you to? I could refer you to this one, right? Um, and I also tell a lot of my patients because I, a lot of times um, individuals are, you have a support system. A lot of people don't have a support system. So I, I tell you, if you don't have the family that you want, choose the family you deserve. I feel like family of origin and family of choice are comparable. And there's so many communities that are coming up specifically for that, like online communities like Alchemy Health, um, which is for black individuals and black mental health and communities. Um, Express Yourself Black Men, Therapy for Black Girls has one. Um, there's a lot. Uh, my Leak and Mamas, like there's a lot of communities where you do need therapy and it's difficult to get therapy at times. And unfortunately, therapy can be a privilege. And you can also get coping skills and support systems because sometimes you really do need someone to normalize your experience. It's like, am I tripping or was that racist? It was racist. You know, that could be one of the things that's really difficult with mental health, especially in the workplaces, feeling isolated in your experience or being tokenized. There's no one there who could be like, oh, I also think it's inappropriate to touch your hair. Maybe, but no one else is like, I, I don't, I wouldn't mind. Why would you mind? It's, it doesn't mean anything for your individual identity. So I think that could be helpful, but I would say search out for the communities too, because they're being built up. And if they're not being built up, a lot of people will just start them. Some, I think Alchemy helped start it because he's also in sports. Like, he was like, I noticed there was nothing specifically for it. So I started it. I think that's a really good idea. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree. I always thought his name Raquel. She just aspires as you are. You know, yeah. I mean, lucky, push lucky that. You. No, that's real. It's, <laughs> it's interesting. Whole the side conversation is teaching your teen daughter how to be assertive, right? Assertiveness, like right? what what that looks like. Um, but I see the same thing. I see a lot of the apps are not started by psychologists or, or, or mental health workers, right? Uh, they see the money, and that's not something we're necessarily trained in. So one of the things that, that I'm developing is app or is it not? an online uh, service where you can come and actually get psychoeducation to like get help. Like we're paid to have solutions, not to give you a motivational speech, right? At the end of the day, is your depression going or not? Are you overthinking or not? Are, are you moving past your social anxiety to be able to socialize, to be able to network, to move up the corporate ladder? Uh, are you able to uh, be able to work with your your, your husband, your wife, your partner to be able to have a better relationship. So it's solution-based and, and outcome. And so a lot of the apps don't do that. And so uh, what we're developing is being able to come and say, hey, I want to help with overthinking. Hey, I want to be more social. Hey, I want to I want to elevate my mood. Hey, I want to be able to resolve conflict with, with my spouse. So very specific things. I want to be able to recover from infidelity and, and do it well. So. The things that we see in the private practice, being able to create psychoeducational courses that are interactive and that are live, and that is not something you see a lot, you know, a lot in the space. All right. And so that's one area. Uh, and, and my wife is here in the back being able to partner on uh, just uh, we started a company called A Weekend for Love. 
right? And it's it's uh, a marriage retreat, and it's it's uh, the the marketing behind it was we were selling therapy at first, like come get your marriage better. And then we're like, oh, I'm not coming, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And then we said, all right, come have fun. And like, I'm coming. And then they come, and then they have a better marriage, right? And so we realized we had to market to women. It was the wives, you know? Uh, and so just the marketing behind, um, how do you market mental health? How do you market wellness? You know, I used to work for the Oklahoma City Thunder and when I came in, the inside, I was a psychologist. They were like, hey, we had this guy come and talk to y'all. <laughs> right? And then they were like, what do you do? Like, Don't worry about what I do. Let's talk about what's going on with you. But now that is common. Right? We started that position in like Oklahoma City Thunder and San Antonio, one of the first, first uh, sports teams to do it. Now on every NBA team, Eric will tell you, it's three psychologists. One for the NBA PA, one for the NBA, and then one private outside. Right. And so that's coming uh, the norm for all the sports. So just starting that and being able to meet people where they are versus simply pop psychology. I'm, I'm cool with meditation. I'm cool with breathing. But people want a lot more than that. All right. And I'm also a member of Alchemy. So. Fantastic. So we're talking about apps and I want to make sure that you know how to get your questions answered. So if you're watching us online or if you're in the room, if you download the Mighty Networks app, you can post your questions on the feed. We'll make sure that those get answered. So Eric, I want to I want you to kick off this next conversation. So in the corporate space, people leaders are shifting from only leading productivity and performance to also having to become more aware about the mental health of their people, particularly in hybrid workspaces. So talk to us a little bit about for people leaders in the room and online, how can they do a better job of being more aware of how to lead the comprehensive nature of a black professional, not just the work, but the person? Yeah, I feel like Raquel, Dr. Barr should be on this question. Um, but you know, I think it really starts with that individual. I mean, I really do. Because you can bring experts into talking and do workshops to teach people how to do certain things. But I think you have to be bought into that before you even get to that point. And you have to know, you have to be aware of your own issues, really, to try to help the people that follow you to be able to understand their own issues. And so I would say um, start with self, really start with, you know, many of you are probably talking to a professional and you probably are leaders. But just become more aware, aware of what you're dealing with and how it might show up in the workspace. And then it'll help you really appreciate how whatever someone else is dealing with might show up in the workspace, especially as it relates to uh, gender and race, right? So you have to be uh, aware of that. Um, you know, it, it's gonna sound, I don't know how this even happens, but you just have to be more culturally aware also. You have to be aware of, of what's going on, you know what I'm saying, uh, in society um, and, and how it can show up in your workspace. And, and if you're not prepared for it, um, you could really mess up and be and go viral. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, become what they call internet famous uh, these days. And uh, it's not always a good thing. So I would say really start with self and really see how what you're dealing with shows up at home, how it shows up at work, and just understanding and becoming aware of yourself. And then you can be the cheerleader to say, hey, we should bring in Eric Capehart to have a facilitated workshop on anxiety in the workspace because you're bought into it. And so I think that's always a good start. Yeah, anyone else on the panel here, how can people leaders improve their mental health acumen so that they're leading that part of their people as well? 
Um, one of the biggest things I would say was it would um, be aware of the integration and the implications of like oppression as well as the different levels of it. Um, there's institutional oppression, there's interpersonal, there's cultural, um, there's interpersonal. It, it, it very much has, um, and there's internalized, it comes out in the workplace. If individuals are looking to support the black people in the environment, you have to know what's going on with us. You should know about important concepts like tone policing and respectability politics and also linked faith with the fact of things that are happening in the news with people that look like us. We feel that very deeply. Um, I'll never forget when I was, uh, was talking with Indeed and a guy was mentioning um, it was a recent shooting and it was on Monday and they asked him about the Game of Thrones episode. And he was like, have you lost your non-black mind? No, I did not watch the Game of Thrones episode. I'm feeling very deeply what happened in the news last night and that's stressing me out. And telling leaders who are black and non-black leaders, like be aware of what's happening in the news. Don't ask me about just fools and such as that. When someone who looks like me once again is getting mistreated, is my productivity gonna be good? No, because uh, that impacts my mental health. And things. And the reason why I think a lot of times it's missed out on is because one, uh, people feel uncomfortable discussing it because the people that they don't come out looking well um, sucks, you know, at least you got to come out of it. Uh, but you have to understand the implications of your power and your privilege and the fact that you don't see yourself in the person who just got harmed, but many of your coworkers and employees do. Don't have expectations for certain levels of, of productivity because people are not quitting jobs most of the time. They're quitting people. They're quitting environments that they feel like don't support them. So if you want to support your employees, you can go in the interpersonal level and say one-on-one, um, -on -one, this doesn't help me. But I, when I talk to companies, I also want to say, do you know how much money you spend on marketing and, and training new people just because your environment is oppressive? If you would just stop having an oppressive environment, you could be in a black way quicker. You know, right? Like, so we can uh, ex we can ex we can express the aspect of humanity, but I don't expect everyone to, to have the whole aspect of humanity that I do. One of the issues with being black is dehumanization. Sometimes I'll appeal to their money. You're like, well, you're spending a lot of money on training new people in marketing, and it's because your environment is oppressive. It's because you don't advocate for people within your realm. It's because you're trying to serve everyone and you're not serving anyone, right? Your employees don't know what happened in the news, and they're asking ridiculous questions, and now people don't feel like they want to be here because they have to mask all the time. Um, I would say be aware of what's happening in the news too, uh, and, and mental health is different for every single person. So I know it takes a lot of energy to look at the intricacies of um, gender identity and, and culture and things like that. But that's why y'all get the media bucks as supervisors, like that's what you're coming in to do. Uh, one of the issues is lack of individuality. And it's like it takes a lot of time to do that. It does. And that's why you, that's, that's your job. So I would say individualize and also be aware of what's happening. Yeah, and I'll add quickly. If we're talking about taking care of the whole person, we're really talking about principles, talking about Christian principles, whatever your faith is, everyone believes uh, for the most part that you take care of people, like we're, we're human beings. And, and so if you're not investing in mental health for your company, especially during the most stressful times in, 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 uh, in our lives, are you really taking care of people? Right? So we start talking about mental health initiatives and, and you're doing surveys, how many how many of uh, your your employees are dealing with parenting issues, right? I know, I know what you're talking about. Man. We have three children, 16, six, and one. And I worked with my wife, and I was like, babe, where's this report? She's like, you want to come down here and do this first grade work with your daughter? I was like, I'll, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. My bad. Could y'all keep it down now? I'm like, I'm singing, but I'm trying to clients upstairs. Listen. Well, where's the report? She's like, you want to come here and feed your one-year-old son? I'm like, you know what? You want to wake your 16-year-old daughter up? It's not up for school. I wake her up, and she's like, I did my work for the whole semester because she's gifted. I'm like, anyway, right, right. If you, really, if you really want to do that, you have to invest. It's really about 
Let's, let's talk to the bottom line. You want productivity? What's the number one reason why we don't perform? Stress, all right? If, if I'm worried with my wife, I can't even my ATM code. What the name see my ATM code? What's the ATM code, man? What's the, what's the code to the daycare? You made me so mad, right? Little things like that, but if we're talking about that on a regular basis, whether you're talking about racism, whether you're talking about marital issues, whether you're talking about loneliness, anxiety, grief and loss, we're supposed to go to work after grief and loss, you know, you can't be, you can't be, uh, you can't really care about productivity and people without investing in their mental health. Yeah, that is so good. I know our graphic designer is, is on, and I feel like we need that on the graphic. You cannot care about people and productivity if you're not caring about their mental health. That's so, so good. So, Kirby, I want to ask you, because you talk and teach a lot about nourishing yourself, and so as someone that's joining us, that's practicing this, in different spaces and guiding conversations, what does it look like for you to nourish yourself, to be mindful of your mental health and wellness as a black professional in the workplace? Ooh, thank you for asking that question. And I can really share in some of my experiences some of the things that you all talked about. So the whole road to nourish, uh, I wrote a book about that. It's a guide to coming home to yourself, was born out of a circumstance where I had a great thriving career in healthcare informatics, major medical center here, and was kind of doing the entrepreneurship thing right alongside of that. And, you know, life was going, right? You're preparing for the whole, you know, you've got these goals. And uh, one phone call changed all of that. And so it took me on a journey that um, you just didn't expect. There was a, a car accident that precipitated many changes in my life after that. And I don't know if any of you can relate to this feeling but I likened it to, I was suffocating in plain sight. I was sleeping in the ICU, going between two rooms. I would then go take a shower, get ready, walk across the campus of that medical center, leave my meetings, stop by the car, fall apart, put myself back together, and do that over and over for months. And what's so challenging about that is the people that I loved and that respected me were in close physical proximity, but has anyone ever wondered, how can you not see that I am not doing well? How could you not see that? And so that's that notion of I felt like I, I couldn't take a deep breath, just right in the plain sight of, of everyone around me. And even in my professional environment, they showed up to the best of their ability. Uh, but there, there came a turning point where I had to just really realize that no one was really going to come save me in a way that I could feel or that, that really resonated with me. And that's why I talked about that hyper-personal journey. And so that's what led me to write Nourish, A Guide to Coming Home to Yourself. And what does that look like? It looks like slowing down enough to put the cape down. It looks like slowing down enough to say, I've been on autopilot. I've done the things. I've turned in the reports at work. I've showed up at the hospital. But I don't know the last time I had some water. I don't know the last time that I let myself cry for more than 30 seconds because it was inconvenient and there were things that needed me. I don't know the last time I asked myself a question about myself and gave myself time for the answer. And so that was the journey that led me to, to writing the book. And so when you ask about what does nourishing yourself look like, it's saying the world can wait. <laughs> I am gonna ask these questions. What do I need right now? What could I use right now? How am I actually feeling right now? And give it adequate language. And give space for the need to be met. 
That's what it looks like to nourish because um, for me that word is so important because you can't nourish fly by night. If anyone has real babies or plant babies or, or pets, you can't just like throw some food and say best of luck, be nourished, be well. But when you're actually nourishing, you care about the optimal environment for the highest outcome. And so when you think about nourishing yourself, when's the last time you asked yourself, what's a part of my optimal environment for me to be my highest self? And so nourishing yourself really just starts with getting really curious and peeling back the shame. Because how many of us, and you don't have to raise your hand, but I'll raise my own hand, kind of feel like you are grieving wrong or you're going through the hardest chapter of your life wrong because you're like, I see all these other people doing all the things and I don't really know if I want to get out of bed today. And so nourishing yourself that, to answer that question is, is putting things on pause, asking the question and giving yourself room for the answer and then also being courageous enough to uh, be open to the solution meeting you and many of the services you all have described and having those chosen communities uh, and so that's what it really looks like to me to nourish yourself is pause, ask the questions, what do I need for my optimal outcome, and being open to receiving those solutions. Hey Thriver, have you ever had that feeling like you're doing all of the things, but you're still in the same place? If you're ready to unleash your full potential and to move beyond feeling stuck, stagnant, overlooked, and overwhelmed, you're in the right place. I have an exciting tool for you called the Own Your Power Checklist, and it's the ultimate guide to helping you to own your personal power to thrive as a leader. Now, this checklist is going to help you to do four things. Number one, it's going to help you to own your unique personal power and to really weld it. It's going to help you to embrace your authenticity, to develop self-awareness, to take ownership and hold yourself accountable. And then lastly, how to trust your instincts and turn those obstacles into opportunities. I'm so excited for you to cultivate an authentic personal brand and remain resilient without it costing you your well-being. Why? Well, because now is the time. Now is the time for you to move beyond the barriers and to create new opportunities. Now is the time for you to stop being passed over and to start being recommended in rooms that you're not even in. Now is the time for you to stop feeling stuck and stagnant and to align your strengths to accelerate your growth. Now is the time for you to step into the leader that you were always meant to be. So don't miss out on this opportunity. Click the link to download the Own Your Power checklist now. Take the next step towards owning your personal power and thriving as a leader. Get your checklist today at careerthrivers.com forward slash podcast. It's your time to thrive. Thank you for sharing that. And I'll say as a, not only as a moderator, but as a friend, it's been inspiring watching you as a caregiver for your parents. Um, many people say, oh, you're doing all of the things, but to see you like to make the intentional space to say, what does Kirby need as I'm also caring for my mom, caring for my, you know, my father and, um, and also building a company. And so thank you for being on the panel today and sharing. So I wanna just open this up to the panel. So for the black professionals that are in this room, that are like, yes, I probably maybe could do a little bit better job in terms of my, of my mental health and being intentional about my environment, my chosen communities. What advice would you all share for black professionals to be more intentional about our mental health inside of the workplace? Um, uh, one of the uh, biggest things is I, I unplug a lot. Um, and I also have worked on within like my own mental health with my own journey with therapy, realizing that like, 
you know, the superwoman syndrome isn't just like stress, it's like a very much a historical aspect of watching my mom and my parents do very many things and I have to stop doing that or I'm a burnout. Um, so being aware that in order to do that, I have to advocate for myself better. Um, and even just feeling more comfortable in my own skin, realizing uh, that it's not the whole aspect of angry. I'm passionate about a lot of things. I'm always gonna be passionate about black mental health, no matter what, like it's, and I'm, I'm very Philly. I'm, I live in Nashville, but I'm very Philly. Um, I'm from Philly. It just, it just is. So like some stuff is just like, oh, you talk really fast. Are you nervous? Nope, it's just how I talk. Um, so uh, part of it was just me being more aware of, who, of myself. And um, I kind of just lead by, like I know who I am because I know who I'm not. So if anyone's trying to put something on me as like, such as like, oh, well, that was rude. I am not a rude person. Um, you seem angry. You've never seen me angry. Uh, I, I'm passionate about this. Um, and the, the biggest question is like, why aren't you passionate about this? People are coming in and they're talking about feeling oppressed. Um, they're dealing with racism-related stress. Um, why aren't you passionate about it, right? So part of it is um, being more comfortable with who you are and realizing that um, a lot of times people will engage with individuals uh, and not realize that you don't always earn the behavior and the actions that are placed on you. A lot of people walk around with like emotional residue that has been left from other people and encounters. Um, so a lot of times when people like will have attitudes and stuff like that, I'll be like, well, I didn't do anything to earn that. So I hope you get your cup of tea and chill out because that has nothing to do with me. Uh, but it really helped me to be more comfortable in my space um, and being comfortable speaking out uh, during times when I was being inappropriately um, getting more tasks than I should have, not getting appropriate um, accolades for the things that I was. I had to get more comfortable with myself um, as a black woman in the space because I, it used to be like, uh, oh, I should be able to do everything everyone else does. Um, and I shouldn't, there's certain things that I'm not going to, like I'm not going to do, I am gonna advocate for myself. If you're stating that I'm being angry, I'm gonna speak out of that right then and there. And if you have a concern about me fulfilling an angry black woman stereotype, you should work on that. I didn't fulfill that at all. I think sometimes in the spaces of black people, we um, sublimate ourselves because we don't want to fill that stereotype, which very much is um, or the aspect of stereotype threat. But it also provides privilege to people. They, they get more privilege of not knowing and they need to keep carrying on like they have no sense, um, which makes it worse for everyone. Right. So I, I had to get comfortable with me like, well, I'm not being angry, but I am going to advocate for myself. I'm not going to stop not speaking out because I don't want you to see me in a different space. Um, and therapy helped me a lot. I used to just think, oh, you know, I'm a hard worker. And it's like, oh, this is also this is trauma. So yeah, we, should, we should work on that. Like you can be a hard worker and this is a result of, you know, black woman syndrome. This is a result of historical trauma and also like you need to chill out or you're not gonna have anything for anyone else. So it can be both things. So that helped me um, get more comfortable uh, with speaking out because there would be things where I, someone would say something and I would just be like, I'm not gonna say anything. And then I would end up having to go in the bathroom and cry or call my husband and trip on him and be like, I mean, this is ridiculous. I know, I know it is. <laughs> and it's just like, I can't believe it. And it's just like, I know, are you in, are you in the office now? Or I went to the car, you know, like, <laughs> um, and it, it really would just make it so I couldn't be my full self in the position, like in a place, especially in jobs I really enjoyed, like I would just be mad at like coworkers and stuff. So I really had to realize that like speaking up, choosing when I'm going to speak up, um, is helpful and not just not talk about it. Um, and it also helps to have like a, a good support system very much like I, the doing it by yourself. There's a difference between independence and hyper independence. Those are not the same thing, you know? So I was, I was dealing with hyper independence. It wasn't like I was doing things on myself but at the detriment of my own well-being. Um, so trying to differentiate between that, which is actually very prevalent in black community because a lot of times we do have to do it ourselves. So it was like, you know, figure that out, but using my support system and, and delegating and being blessed enough to have one. So I would say for each of you to 
define your top three most important values. Yep, because, I mean, there's a lot going on, right? But for the values for me, it helps me make decisions when I'm kind of struggling with what to do. I run it through the, my list of values. And I've, I've landed on my values, I prioritize them, I've come up with a statement for what it means to me. And I encourage you guys to do the same thing. And you know, when you have them, I think different things will happen for you. But what happened for me, for sure, was like, it really truly helped me make decisions when I was like, unclear or I needed some direction. I'm like, all right, what's important to me? What are my values? So my spirituality, family, and work ethic. So if it's something between a job, taking a job, or going to spend time with my kid, well, I've already said what's important to me, so I'm going to probably go spend this time with my kid. Unless I talk to my wife and it's something that, you know, we come to an agreement on, but I've already made that decision. So that's one thing I would say, do Land on your top three most important values and, and actually live by them. Somebody close to you should know what those values are without you telling them. So if I met one of your friends and said, hey, what's one of her values in, her, in life? And they're saying all these things, and I ask you, well, what are your values? And there's nothing that they said, then maybe you're not really living it out, right? So I would encourage you guys to do that. And also, um, find a support system. Like, list the people that you need to talk to for different scenarios or different reasons. I mean, it's just simple stuff, right? We don't talk people this stuff, right? It's simple stuff, but it really is practical things that really make a huge difference in, in your life. And if you can get it right at home, you know, a lot of the things that work, I don't know, I, I haven't worked in a corporate environment, so it's kind of foreign to me with all these individuals working in the corporate space. Um, I, could, I, would, I would hope that you could get some sense of that at your job as well. I would hope so, and if not, then you know it's up to the corporation to kind of create some space for you to do that. Um, so yeah, create your values, live by them, and uh, develop your support system. It says in the, in the word, without a vision, the people perish. So the opposite means with the vision, the people flourish. So, so the first question for you is, who are you outside of your job? A lot of people can't answer. Right. And if you have an underdeveloped self-identity, work's going to eat you up. Right. Because you want to be good at it. Right. And then add into that a relationship, a marriage, taking care of children, being a caregiver. Really easy. And so what you have to do is you have to set boundaries where you exist. Right. And so when I'm talking, it's mostly women. All right. Because, men, we tend to be selfish by nature. Right, my wife's like, who's doing the laundry? I don't know, I'm watching the game. <laughs> what about dishes? Dishes just gonna sit there. I'm, I, I'm finna watch the game, right? So we start talking about that. It's actually setting a boundary as if you exist, right? So what happens is when we don't set a boundary as if we exist, we end up having health issues. Uh, and there's something that Kirby mentioned, um, the John Henryism. Uh, Dr. Carroll alluded to it, right? And, and I'm going to talk about allostatic load just really quickly. Allostatic load is where you develop a tolerance to stress. How many, how many of you every day is stress? How many of you the answer? Right? Right? And so it's like things happen. That's not stressful. It's just a normal day. Right? Why my stomach hurt? You know, why my hair falling out? Like, I 30 pounds, right? What's going on? Why is my neck stressed? Why am I snapping on my kids for asking for more food? Right? I mean, these are the things. Why am I driving up? Why is Raquel driving up on me after the Philadelphia Eagles lost? Like, that's not my fault. All right. I'm playing. 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 
saying, we sorry. I'm sorry. Let me not digress. Let me not digress. No, for real. Just figure out that mic so quick. Yeah. So, no, for real. So, so allostatic load means I build a tolerance to stress, which means I don't feel it. Right? So, in, in, in a lot of our careers, I don't feel stress. It's just normal. You say you want to hurt yourself. I'm figuring out which hospital I need to put you in. I need to figure out how to triage you, what your insurance is going to pay for, how I transfer you from one county to the next. All these things, and y'all doing the same thing. How do I make this company? How do I make this work? I've let three people go, and I still have to make All of y'all get this, but we forget that it has an impact on our own mental health, right? And the body keeps score. So the, just the concise is that you have to have a boundary to where you schedule yourself to where you're a real person and you have time when you take time off, when you do say no, you do hire a team, you, you, you push back and say, I can't do three people's job. Because the minute I die and I go on disability, y'all have me replaced tomorrow, right? And you figure out how to do that tactfully and strategically. But the main thing is not to erase you, even if it is cultural, even if there is some gender discrepancy. Right, it's going on at home, right, or whatever the case may be. You have to be able to set your own boundary about who you are, what you like, and how you want to move before you go into the workplace. I think that's going to help you a lot. And the, what I would add to that, and it's a really nice golden thread of all of it, uh, comes down to trust. Um, so the subtitle of the book is so it's nourish a guide to coming home to yourself, uh, because I recognize that I had left pieces of me along the roadside. Mm -hmm on the journey, and so I would say if you're taking notes and you're thinking about, okay, how do I do this for myself, showing up in the corporate space, I, it comes down to trust, and then what I'm gonna say doesn't absolve your workplace of their responsibilities, but what I mentioned earlier, that realization that no one's coming to save you, but the good news is you have access to everything that you need, and sometimes when we go into these spaces, the infractions that we, experience run even deeper because we gave up parts of ourselves to be there and then it still didn't turn out how we thought it was supposed to. And so I would say trust, do a trust inventory. Where am I showing up for myself? Where am I not showing up for myself? And this isn't a shaming thing, this isn't well, part of the reason why you feel so bad is because of you, it's not that. It's actually the flip of that, is you did what you thought you needed to do to get what you thought you should have had, and now we're taking inventory that maybe those things aren't chewing up. So trust, how do you establish trust with yourself again? And um, a big part of what I talk about and teach is just how do you establish small, and I'm saying small, rituals with yourself and then show up for them? Because when you start to realize that you know it's me and me and I can trust me and I, I will do all the things I'm supposed to do for everyone else, but I deserve to be hydrated. You know what? That phone can go on Do Not Disturb for 10 minutes, and I can do that meditation. You know what? It really is worthwhile, even if there isn't a direct ROI, for me to spend some time with my own thoughts and write them out and see what comes. So establishing small ritual with yourself, kind of making a list. What do you enjoy? What would you love? What does 10 minutes for yourself each day look like? And I know it sounds high level, but it's sometimes really beautiful to recognize the significance and simplicity, uh, especially on my journey. It would have been so challenging, and it was, when people were like, oh, you're going through something really hard, two people in a car accident and a career and things, you know, have you ever tried? And then fill in the blank. And sometimes those things felt so inaccessible. They felt like something else that would get added to the list. 
And so for me, I would recommend just thinking about how I'm showing up for myself. How can I reestablish trust with myself so that no matter what environment I find myself in, I've created this habit to know that I'm, I'm good with me. I'll show up for me no matter what. So I really invite you to take an inventory of that and then think of a few things, maybe five things that over the next week or two that you would enjoy doing, that you could show up for yourself that don't have to cost money, don't take a ton of time and then prioritize doing those things. Awesome, what questions do we have in the room for Dr. Martin, for Kirby, for Dr. Tart, or for Eric? Any questions in the room? If you have questions online, if you post them in the feed, we'll be sure to get your questions answered there as well. Any questions in the room? That's what happens right before lunch. We go down ask a thing. Okay, I see, I see a question in the back here. Do you want to stand up and share your question? I'll repeat it. This gentleman raised his hand first. Oh, please. Hello, my name is Eric. I work for Dell Technologies. Um, my question is for everyone is how do you manage those self set expectations for like career, career trajectory as a black person? So the question was how do you manage self-expectations when it comes to planning for your career trajectory. Eric from Dale asked this question. One of the things, because uh, managing this a lot, is uh, I work with individuals to break down what their expectations are. Um, I ask them if there are other people who have achieved those goals or similar goals, because mentors are really, really helpful. Um, and um, identifying mentors in the realm that are not only within your um, field, but also have other things that you may be uh, looking for. Um, because it can be difficult when you're only around people within your work environment, and, and it's not until you step out of that work environment that someone's like, hey, your job, that's actually, you work 10 times more than me and you make it pay less. We, it's really easy to get normalized off of like just oppression in terrible environments. Um, and then I also try to break things down in terms of like um, a mission instead of just like a specific career goal. Sometimes people will identify like I want to get this specific career, like this specific job title, um, and which is which is good. But if you identify a certain mission, um, if it's like to break down a racial inequities in tech, you can do that in a lot of different job positions. Um, and it can also open out up your opportunities to expand it upon different things. Like even if someone got that job position, you can figure out a way that your mission could be advocate for in another position. So really open up your opportunities because um, most of the time it's not even just about the job it's about what you want to do in that job and what you want to achieve so I find it more helpful to identify um, goals overall that they align with your values too and then just a mission because if you're talking about if I'm looking at like trying to break down mental health biases and inequities you can do that in policy you can do that on the hill you can do that as a lawyer you can do that in assessment psychology it, like you can do it pretty much anywhere and it really it doesn't limit you as much because then if somebody gets the job that you wanted um, then you feel like there's nothing else to do and it could be really invalidating versus you're like oh I can do this in another realm too so I would expand it that way I would add to and I'm not a panelist, but <laughs> I love that question because I think as black professionals specifically, we are taught to live compartmentalized lives. And uh, we had a great conversation with Pastor Faison about this, about how in African culture, um, lives are meant to be lived interconnected. Like that's the culture by which um, black people come from that like our professional self and our personal self is the same self. But it's a very Americanized, and I think this is for all identities, that we have a work self, and we have a, a corporate self, and we try to 
live in two different realms and that's really not real. So we teach a framework called VISA, V-I-S-A, and Eric hit on the V. The V for VISA is your values. So this is for you personally. What are your personal values? This is how you connect back to how you show up in the workplace by showing up fully, being free to be. So what are your values? The I of VISA is your interests. What are you naturally curious about? That introspection that um, our practitioners have been talking about, like spending the time to think about, well, what am I, like, what do I Google? What's in my Google search right now? Like, what am I naturally curious about? The S is for strengths. What do you do well? Doesn't mean you don't work hard at it, but you do it with ease. In the faith context, we would call this our gifts, right? What are those for you? And then the A are your abilities. What have you learned to do well? What are those competencies? In an ideal setting, you can be doing those, you can have the marriage of those four, right? But if you had to pick two, pick a role, choose a career that aligns with your values and your strengths, right? You want the whole visa, but if you don't, you can only get two in there, like find some place, take the next step in your career where your personal values are aligned and where you can fully operate in what you do naturally well, those strengths. Question in the back here before we wrap up and give some lunch updates. I think our mic runners are working on lunch, so if you share the question, I'll repeat it. No worries. Um, my name is Wayne Bill. I'm with Caterpillar. My question is for Dr. Alda with regard to the allosthetic load. I, can, I think we can all relate to that in some form or fashion. Uh, it's often difficult to push back, I think, at least I'm speaking to my own experience, what kind of um, coping mechanisms might you um, recommend uh, within your own space, an area of influence, what kind of recommendations might you make? To have someone better uh, call it, for lack of a better word, survive the situation. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's mindset. Oh, okay. So the so the question is, we're talking about allostatic load, which is um, you have an stress tolerance, but in reality, these bills not gonna pay themselves. Kids not gonna feed themselves. I still have to keep going. Right? How do you manage that? So it really starts with self-care, but high-level self-care, not just a, a term. So one, does your self-care match the amount of wear and tear on your body? Right? So what we do is we say, I had a stressful life. I'm going to watch the game. I'm going to drink. All right? So you self-cared at a one, but your level of stress is at a 10. So now you're at a nine on stress. That's not going to work. So you have to self-care back to the level, like your cell phone has to recharge back to 100, not just recharge back out of red into yellow. That's what we do. All right? Uh, and then number two, you can't go back to the same life that's wearing you out. So it's, it's just two factors. One is your self-care match the amount of wear and tear. All right? And then two, have you changed the environment that's causing the wear and tear? All right, and we're talking about a traumatic background. We're used to doing this. You were raised raising your five little brothers and sisters. All right, this is normal to me. I was used to doing this, right? And so you have to change your life. And it's really quickly, uh, I had gallbladder surgery three years ago. I was in perfect health. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you have a high stress job? I've been doing this 23 years. It's all the same. And I was like, God, that's it. I don't even feel stress anymore. Right? It's just another day, but my body was keeping score. So what I did was I had to change my life. I just had a conversation with my wife yesterday. I was like, look, we're getting ready to hire a second team. I'm not doing the Canva. I'm not doing a constant contact. I'm not doing all five of our Instagram, social media, and Facebook pages every time we promote an event. Right? So I had to sit up here and say, I'm going to have to hire a team to actually do these things in addition to the two receptionists that work at work because I can't do it all. 
because I don't want to fail. They did a quick study of, of men, right? And they said, if you, could, if you could succeed at business or family, which one would you choose? What do you think men chose? See, y'all wrong, right? 57% of men chose family. That's not even, that's, that's still a good 43. Right, right. <laughs> is that 57% of men actually do care. Now, we want both. We want to succeed at at both, all right? And so you start thinking about, okay, how do I do both? How do I take care of me so that I can live past 70 years old, that life expectancy for a black man who's a non-smoker, non-drinker, all right, so I can be here? How do I make my marriage work so I don't give away my uh, my family unit and and my wealth that I work for that's counterproductive? and then have access to my kids, and then how do I actually pour into my kids so that my kids are not acting out, and then how can I be there for my parents before they go on to be with the Lord, because I only have, you see the calculations, six, seven, ten, nine, three more months, years, whatever it is, how do I actually live according to my values? You ask that, and then you start setting it up, and you start having exposure, so you sit down with men and women who've done it, See, it's exposure. You'll never do anything you can't see. It'll just be a question you never answer. But when you sit down, I had lunch with my, with my bishop, and I said, I have to get back to the office. I have clients. He had nowhere to be. He's 10 times wealthier than I am. I said, I need to do what you do. Right? He said, read this book. That's why we're having lunch, because you're so busy. But I need you to be able to change your life so that you can do all the things that you can. We serve God, a big God, wherever you worship. Who can do and. So whatever your faith is, I need you to think and. It's not or. So do it all. But with the team. Yes and yes. All right, can we give it up for our I am not your people? Thank you all so much. Dr. Martin here. If you're not following, how we can stay in touch because I want you all to connect with these brilliant minds. And thank you to the Tarts again. Uh, publicly for traveling in from Atlanta, Georgia. So again, we wanted to make sure that um, you all get exposure to thought leaders even outside of Nashville. So how can we stay connected? Um, I'm on all of the interwebs. Uh, So uh, TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube under Raquel Martin PhD. Um, Yeah, I think that's it. That's all of them. I'm on all of them. It's all Raquel Martin PhD. And um, you can also send messages in. My YouTube is when I answer specific questions and cover topics. So if you have topics you want covered um, from someone who can also break down concepts, I do not use a $20 word when a $5 word will do, you know? So I very much uh, try to make stuff di- digestible, you know, have all the degrees. And the biggest thing I learned is some stuff y'all just make a little too complicated. It's not that, it's not that difficult. Um, so I, I operate on that. And then I post like a couple of times uh, a week on that too. And just FYI, you know, I know everyone has their own, but I also cuss. So if you, um, <laughs> if you want it, because sometimes people are like, oh, I didn't expect that. You should. Blank it out if you need to. But I, oh yeah, it's my social media. I am an enthusiast of using the language that I like to use. So just be aware. Don't be surprised. You still follow me, but you know, it might pop up. 
I love it. Well, mine's not quite that exciting, but you can follow me on Instagram at Kirby, which is K-I-R-B-E-E. I put that Y in there, Kirby and Co. And then I'd also love to connect with you on LinkedIn. You can find me under Kirby Miller. And as you circulate, I'll be here all day long. I've got a fun little QR code that will scan you out to some other opportunities for us to connect virtually and in person uh, with some different really great things that I have coming up. So I'd love to connect before you leave today. And my preferred social media is Instagram, all right? So at Dr. Tart, that's at D-R-T-A-R-T-T. That's at D-R-T-A-R-T-T. Or you can just text me. I send out mental health videos. You can actually ask me for something, and then we just create, just send it right to your email, I mean, right to your cell phone. And that cell phone number is 770-637-5710. Again, that's 770 637 5710, last time, 770-637-5710. So you can't be shy about promoting yourself in modern day psychology because these apps will come and just right. eat you up. You can't even get ranked, all right? All right, so, so then y'all know where to find me. And it also allows me to be able, just, this is my ministry, to be able to give you resources. Uh, if, if I don't know it, I'll find the research and send it to you so that you can be well. All right, so um, you can find me online. You can go to my website at erickparkcoaching.com. That's where you can find out about the individual services that I provide and group services. Uh, I'm on Instagram, so if you guys are uh, on Instagram, you can follow me. Just my name, Eric uh, K. Park. And on there, I'm usually just you know talking about boxing or I'm a student pilot learning about flying planes or just hanging out with my kids, just trying to keep it motivational. Um, but... A lot of people hit me up on there. You guys have seen a lot of messages that let me know that it's encouraging. Um, you never know how many men want to do something until you start doing it. And then they're like, oh, I always wanted to do that. And I'm like, well, the only difference in me wanting to do it and you is probably I just did it. Um, and so you, you can do it too. It's that simple. It's so simple. It's funny. Uh, so yeah, I'm also on LinkedIn. You guys can find me my name if you want to. Um, we work with uh, college teams. Uh, we also work with administration. So if you want to learn more about what we do, you guys can find me on LinkedIn and we can talk there. And please connect with me on LinkedIn. I do want to share. It's in your workbook. Uh, but we recently dropped a course with LinkedIn Learning that's on the title of the course is Thriving Through Career Adversity. So a lot of the topics that we talk about um, specifically related to grief and loss and surviving instead of thriving in the workplace. Um, staying in survival mode, all of those sorts of things, particularly around job loss and, and challenge. Um, you can access the course as a free link in my profile. So again, give it up for our panelists. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation just as much as I did. And I am so, so grateful that we have those incredible leaders advocating for our health and well-being as leaders inside of our organizations. If you or your team or your leadership want to learn more about how you can get involved and how your organization can be a part of ABP 2024, make sure you head on over to careerthrivers.com. We are gearing up for the planning of Advancing Black Professionals 2024, and we would love for your team members, your colleagues, your leaders to be in the audience with us and to sponsor the next Advancing Black Professionals. Well, I cannot wait to see you on the next episode. And until next time, let's thrive together. And that's a wrap on today's episode, Thrivers. Remember, the power to thrive is in your hands. You have the strength, the patience, the passion, and the brilliance to reach for your next level and to seize it. Never forget, 
that you are not alone on this journey. Together, we will learn, grow, and make strides to lead well. I'm Brittany and Cole reminding you to trust your instincts, to honor your strengths, to embrace those opportunities, and to own your power. Remember, download the All Your Power checklist to keep you on track with your growth over at careerthrivers.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for joining us on the Career Thrivers podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode. And until next time, as we break boundaries and own our power, let's thrive together. Thank you.